Welcome to Hyperbaric Living with Dr. Masha podcast. I'm Dr. Masha, naturopathic doctor, hyperbaric expert, and your podcast host, bringing you the cutting-edge interviews and ideas about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I'm grateful to interview these bright minds and sharing their knowledge and experience in the field of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Thank you for listening. So let's get started with this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to Hyperbaric Living Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Masha, and today I have with me two guests. That's the first time that I have two guests at a time. It's Dr. Nikki Young and Dr. Lauren Matheson. Um, we recorded a podcast in the past with Dr. Lauren Matheson about cancer. You can check this podcast on Spotify or YouTube about five ways hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help in cancer diagnosis. Today, we're going to talk about autoimmune disease. Um, I have a, those who know me and most of you are like family and you know me, I have a personal investment in this particular topic. I have an autoimmune disease. I've been using hyperbaric therapy with a lot of success to help me manage symptoms. So I'd like to ask doctors who see a lot of autoimmune cases day in, day out, what is their experience? We'll talk about the health of the immune system and maybe we'll have time for some other questions. Welcome to the show, Dr. Yang and Dr. Matthewson. It's really nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with the both of you. Me too, me too. So let's get started. Let's dive in. What is going on with autoimmune disease? We have cases, the number of cases gone up exponentially in the last couple of years. Uh, where do you think this is coming from? Multifactorial. <laughs> you know, there's many avenues that leads to uh, any type of chronic illness. And we've seen, you know, obviously the, uh, <clears throat> the whole pandemic that we all went through aside, there's the stress and the chemical toxicities in our water, our food, our environment. Yeah, just a lack of being able to take time off of work and rest. All of the things that we talk about to our patients that make what a healthy life is, it's getting harder and harder to to do those things. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I've, I've seen a big flare of autoimmune, either new diagnoses or um, old conditions flaring, especially post-viral, so post-COVID, whether it was from people getting the illness or the associated things around it. Um, I personally, my eczema went crazy after I had COVID the second time. And I'd actually never had eczema before. So, um, and my first outbreak, Dr. Young saw my first outbreak. It was a doozy. It was on my eyelids and I had this giant lesion on my neck that was open and terrible um and 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 finally resolved but would kick up anytime i had anything kind of viral happen again so yeah i think our immune systems have just been under so much over the last few years i'd like to ask you a question because you um you mentioned several root causes uh basically what can cause an autoimmune outbreak autoimmune disease in your practice, when you see a patient who came with a diagnosis of an autoimmune disease, do you treat the root cause or do you treat their immune system? Not the symptoms, but, but like where would your treatment be directed? 
It's always, we're always going to deep dive, right? And so um, certainly we're going to go root cause. We're going to go nutrition. We're going to go exposures. We're going to go um, um, deep investigation, but I will also treat symptoms right there in front of me. Um, right. So someone shows up, they're really flared. And I'm going to be thinking about not only what has foundationally led to this, but what can we do right now to help manage? And that's a great spot where I love hyperbarics for flares of all of my autoimmune things. Right. It's like, that's a tool that I can can use in the moment we're going to have some anti-inflammatory benefit and then while we're doing the investigation saying you know what kind of food sensitivity do we need to work up what kind of lab results are we looking for you know what kind of downwind exposures or um you know what's in our well water or, or our mold exposures or all that kind of stuff so yeah that actually uh, brings me to a very interesting question. I've had several discussions with hyperbaric practitioners like yourself, and we talked about the fact, do we start with hyperbarics or do we introduce hyperbarics when we address all the foundations of health? And it's a huge question now in discussion in hyperbaric community because some say that what happens if we start with hyperbarics, we're almost masking uh, the symptoms because you get a symptom relief right away. But because a person is not prepped, we haven't changed their diet or they haven't changed their diet, we haven't addressed, let's say, mold toxicity or mold exposure and other factors that could be contributing, uh, are we doing them disservice by starting with hyperbarics? Where others say, when we start with hyperbarics and provide that symptom relief, we give motivation to continue. And, and we also, people start to feel better. That's the most important thing because that's why they came to us for at the beginning. So where do you guys stand on this? Well, it, it, I guess it uh, depends on the patient because you're right. If you, you know, relieve their symptoms right away, if that's all they were wanting, then they attribute that session, those sessions in the hyperbaric as their cure. And so they kind of become reliant on that. And they don't want to do the work of cleaning up their diet, you know, uh, healing their gut integrity, uh, you know, removing the toxins from their homes, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But there are people that are more motivated. To, they want to do that root cause uh, stuff, and but they're just so sick and tired, and you know they don't have that energy and motivation to do it. So getting them to feel better gives them the the energy, like you were saying, the motivation to look at those types of things. So you got to. Uh, have that conversation with the patient and say, you know, we can help you with feeling better, but these symptoms will com continue if you, you know, don't address what's really causing them. Good point. Dr. Matheson, what's your, what's your take on that? I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, it, in some circumstances, a patient will show up and right off the bat, I'm like getting all this, oh, they should belong in the chamber right now. You know, like I'll do my little bit of workup and make sure they're a safe candidate. But, um, and then other times, you know, it'll be, um, 
So that, yeah, really interesting. Some folks I think are amazing candidates right off the bat. I think that everyone is a candidate for HBOT. It's a matter of when though, right? So my long-term chronic autoimmune folks, if they're well-controlled and they're trotting along and everything's great, then they don't, I don't have a cause for them to be in the chamber right then. But if they start flaring or they say, whoa, I'm getting some early signs or, you know, then we're going to say, right, let's get you in the chamber now. We're also going to start all of our other stuff alongside it. I might have derailed that question a little bit, but this is such an interesting topic. I think what is really kind of lovely about the way that we've been trained to practice naturopathically is that we're never reliant on one tool, uh, right? So we have hyperbaric and we love it, but it's not, I'm not a hyperbaric doctor. I'm a I'm an integrative care physician first. And so I'm using these tools when I think they're appropriate, but they're not always appropriate. And I agree, we can, if we rely too heavily on one tool, we can mask our symptoms. We can get sort of this false uh, progress. And then, but as soon as we stop that treatment, all of our symptoms come back. And so I haven't really done my job if we're not moving to a greater state of health ultimately. And we can do it simultaneously. Yeah. Give them the hyperbaric, the opportunity for hyperbaric treatments, but then start other interventions. Uh, what other interventions have you found to be helpful in, um, in management of autoimmune conditions? Well, everyone gets the nutrition talk. <laughs> We start and we end with nutrition. Everyone gets, you know, and there are, I think, some broad things we can say, like um, eat less irritants and eat more nutritional foods that apply to pretty much everybody. But then we do have our individuals where, uh, you know, they can tolerate dairy more so than their peers can. Or um, um, with my autoimmune folks, I'm I'm pretty adamant that gluten is an inflammatory molecule to everybody all the time. And if we're in a flare or we're heading toward one or we're trying to recover from one, we need to be really strictly gluten-free and, and regardless of whether we're celiac or not. So, um, that opinion has made me unpopular in some moments, but my patients feel better. Right. And then they come back to me and they go, Oh, you were right. I had a gluten exposure and my stomach blew up and I felt terrible for days. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And it's important to remind patients or educate them on that, you know, going gluten-free means a hundred percent, like not like, oh, I, I had a, a sandwich on Saturday, uh, you know, a week ago. And, and then I had some pasta a week later, or, you know, it's, it is a hundred percent because you will continue to react to that gluten for months. And, and so, you know, they don't realize that they're reacting because that's the, they're normal for them. And so when you take that away from them and they get to feel what that, what not reacting feels like, then when, like Lauren said, when she, somebody gets exposed and they really get those symptoms, I, I'm speaking kind of from my experience with eggs. Um, I, you know, didn't know that I was very much, uh, very sensitive. And for the last seven, eight years, I've been really good about avoiding them, except for when the holidays come around and I want to try some of the treats. And so I'm like, oh, a little nibble here, a little nibble there, you know, I'm going to, you know, be nice and try your cookies. And yeah, I, I notice. 
and it's it's a significant difference and i'm like wow i was walking around like that all the time yeah but you know we all guilty of that but those um but those episodes really help us to see in perspective what these foods do to us so i think that these accidents they're not necessarily a bad thing i mean everybody has to go through an accident like that a couple of times a year for sure yeah i agree for very motivating. Yeah, yeah. just like remind that. you. Mm-hmm. I also <laughs> want to add, um, and I'm not very popular for what I'm going to say now, but exactly like people who think that if they eat something really like junk food and then go to the gym and work out and one sort of um, cancels another, it, no, it doesn't work this way. So, <laughs> You can't exercise the way out of a bad diet. In the same way, you cannot use hyperbaric therapy to cancel out all bad nutritional choices that you've made. And that's a trap that a lot of people are falling into. And that's why that Mm -hmm. additional work that we do besides hyperbaric is so important. Hyperbaric is like an accelerator. You do all this wonderful work. You avoid triggers. You eat well. You sleep well. You, you know, get out of your toxic relationships, whatever it is that's causing the problem. And then you add hyperbarics and it will speed up the healing. Uh, What do you think is the mechanism behind hyperbaric therapy and uh, what it does for autoimmune disease folks? Just being able to increase oxygen saturation and get it to tissues that may have had an issue with being properly oxygenated so that they can do the proper work of healing. And anti-inflammatory. Of course. And it's my understanding is anytime we're above about one atmosphere, we're entering into that anti-inflammatory state, right? So that's why I feel like, you know, we have soft wall chambers in our clinic. I we're getting great results with it. And and I might need a little more treatments or more frequency than some of the hard wall ones, but my, in my mind, if I can get folks above that threshold and hold them there and we can do that repeatedly, I know I'm getting that anti-inflammatory benefit. I know I'm getting that benefit to our endothelial function. And then not only like Dr. Young saying, are we supercharging our oxygen? So we're finally perfusing all these areas that maybe don't necessarily always get the best perfusion, but at the cellular level, we're cranking up that mitochondrial function. So we're giving everyone just a little boost. It's amazing. There's very few therapies that have a total systemic benefit that can, that, you know, we say, oh yeah, we're actively benefiting every single cell right now. So it's, that's incredible. Um, And then also we've got like we said, all the downstream anti-inflammatory stuff, the shift away from those inflammatory cytokine states and toward that more of a tolerant state. So yeah, 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 yeah. So I think what we do, we're creating that environment sort of that is anti-inflammatory where all other therapies will work better. Uh, Low energy is a very common symptom of an autoimmune disease. Pain, of course, but also fatigue. Well, what do you use in your patients or what kind of therapies do you recommend that have been shown to improve fatigue of autoimmune disease? 
Well, the the fatigue can come from the, you know, the sluggishness in that mitochondria from creating energy, but also in the processing of the molecules that cause the inflammation. And so this your biochemistry is just churning and churning and churning and it's using up a lot of power and a lot of energy and you know so in these patients you have you know the integrity of the gut is compromised um they're not absorbing their nutrients um they're you know, not they're they're in pain, so they're mostly going to be sedentary or immobilized. Uh, so you have it's like a catch twenty two kind of thing. So you know, I'm tired because I don't feel good, and I don't feel good because I'm tired. And so the hyperbaric and among other you know IV therapy, sauna, um, it, talking to them obviously, like we said about diet, increasing hydration, getting more water in, into them, getting them to absorb more water, healing that gut lining so that they can absorb their food. It is, you know, every little thing kind of layers on it on each other. And then you get things like uh, ginseng and other adaptogens to nourish the adrenal glands and and help in that aspect. I love herbs. I saw that big smile go away there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love herbs because they can do wonders even more so than supplements. Supplements are excellent, but herbs, when prescribed correctly, are even are even better. Um, let me ask this a bit of a controversial question. Autoimmune disease is a chronic disease, which means there's no cure, according to conventional medicine. Uh, what do we guys think about that? <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, I... I don't like to oversell to patients. So I do, I will generally start in with that when we're discussing autoimmune. I say like, you know, it's, we're probably never going to get rid of this entirely, but it is very reasonable that we can get it well-controlled, well-managed so that flares are few and they're far between if they do happen. And that being said, I have plenty of patients that we've got their flares so well-controlled that they technically might not really have, I mean, on labs, you know, they're not, they're not necessarily showing an autoimmune disease anymore, but we're still careful with them because they know that that's a personal vulnerability and that they're going to be more predisposed, right? Where it's like, it's an area where we just kind of pay extra attention, but so I don't know that that was a super direct answer. I do feel like it's very possible to get autoimmune disease so well controlled and so well quiet in the background that patients are able to experience life as though they did not have one. I think, yeah, that's the goal. And it's about education, about educating the patient on like, what do you consider a cure? Uh, you know, if the patient thinks that you're going to fix it, first off, that I'm going to fix it, not them. And second off that uh, once it's fixed, they don't have to think about it ever again. And, and, you know, we have to educate them that that's not necessarily their case, but you, what you don't doom and gloom that you say, this is the opportunity for you to live better than you have, because you're going, you've had symptoms leading up to this for probably a decade or longer, you know, maybe all your life you've suffered with some sort of thing. And then it finally tipped over and became something that you can see on labs and put a diagnosis to. And 
and you know so you can teach them they get to learn about what their triggers are what the prodrome might be what you know they can you know say oh i i can feel this thing happening that usually comes on and tells me that i'm about to have a flare so i'm going to reach into my toolbox that was taught to me by my naturopathic doctor and say and start doing more of those things and and you know they'll they'll have they'll feel empowered that they have that control over their life very well said very well said Oof. uh we can end the podcast right there because i think that's <laughs> like the most important message uh uh, you get an autoimmune patient. Uh, how many treatments, how many hyperbaric sessions are they looking at? I, I understand that it depends yeah. On, yeah. on on many factors, but yeah, no, you know, I was I was trying to think of good examples before we got on today. Mm-hmm. So I have a gal who has been working with me for years. She's in her late fifties, and we started working together a while ago uh, with her uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and she's in full remission doing great there. She gets diverticulitis flares now, which is autoimmune-ish, right? We don't really know exactly why people get diverticulitis or, um, and she and I, I thought this was going to be a great example because she and I have been working together for so long that we've done all the, she knows when a diverticulitis flare is about to start, she immediately goes on to GI rest or we put her on the elemental diet. She goes heavy on her antioxidants. She, um, we've got her using some um, butyric acid enemas, right? Which is supposed to just really nourish the cells of the kind of the colon and, and, but with all this weird viral stuff going on the last few years, um, she's been having more flares that are longer lasting each time. And it is, we, we're, we've been struggling with it and we put a lot of attention to it. So I finally was like, gosh, darn it. Let's get you in the hyperbaric chamber. Like what, (laughs) what are we doing? Right. So this last go around, um, she messaged me, she goes, I'm starting to feel the ache and the pressure and I don't want to go on antibiotics. And we said, okay, immediately, you know, kicking everything we talked about and let's get you in the chamber and let's get you in the chamber every day this week. And let's get you in there, you know, at least three days next week and then see how we do. And in less than eight sessions, we were able to really head that off. Her diverticula didn't go into a full flare, right? She was able to keep it well-managed under control. She was doing all the other stuff alongside, but this I thought was a really great example because the one new tool we used was the hyperbaric and it was very effective for her. And she was pleased. She just kept getting back on the schedule. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice example. I've seen and then it many also times, she loves though. it, right? You see it all the time. She loved it because she gets out of the chamber and she's feeling good. And that day, right? She's ready for the day. So it's um, yeah, yeah. What I've seen, what what I was trying to say that you try everything, and then you try hyperbarics, and it's like, wow, okay, this was the 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 missing piece of the puzzle. For us, it was like that final, exactly kind of, you said earlier, like an accelerant. It was that what we needed to pull everything together and then get our great results. So I was totally delighted with her. Good. It's like the the last click of the tumbler and the lock just finally goes. It was, it was the last click. And then it, uh uh-huh. You know, because I've been treating predominantly cancer patients for the last 10 years. And uh, what I've seen with, um, 
recovery from surgeries or when they're going through radiation, that it can be anything from, you know, three sessions to 20 sessions. And it just depends on where that patient is at. It, you know, I've over the years, we've learned more about how to get somebody in there appropriately, having them in the fasting state or using exogenous ketones, um, learning from our colleagues about using sauna and uh, niacin and that sort of thing. I thinking back to when I first started using hyperbarics at another office and we had uh, somebody coming in for can't quite remember, but they were doing twice a day, four days, a, five, four to five days a week for four weeks. And they uh, had a complete remission of their symptoms. And this was, you know, quite a few years back. So I'm, the details are a little bit fuzzy. Uh, and they weren't my patient. I was alongside them uh, with the other colleague in the office. And I don't know if they were doing too much else. So it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, they went all in and did this intensive, you know, two times a day, every day, you know, type of thing. And in that case, that was all they focused on. So it was one of those where it's like, yeah, I got better. And um, I believe then they started um, actually working on their diet and, you know, so that they didn't have to go through that again, you know, that sort of thing. I, I'd like to, I was actually, while you were describing this, I was, um, I was actually thinking that a lot of times it's not easy for the, for the patient to see the change. And that's why we do subjective and objective. So basically we look at their test results, but we also ask them how they feel. And we ask our patients to rate what they feel on a scale of one to 10 or one not to hundred, whatever scale you use. And then we'll look at the same symptoms uh, four weeks later. And that way, I think it's a lot easier to see the progress that hyperbarics brought. And, um, and that's another reason why I always suggest for somebody who is just starting with hyperbarics to work with a practitioner. It was very true. Yeah. What it's, do you think? I agree, but it's not, I kind of, it's, I think it's more of a specific tool. And I think so it really, you want to use it with folks that are familiar with how and why to use it and what to be looking for, as opposed to, you know, sort of like, I don't know, I guess I'm thinking of an equivalent would be kind of like those walk-in cryotherapy centers where it's like, go do your cryo, right? Walk in, get chill. That's fine. Do that. You don't, I don't feel like you need to be under a targeted protocol to like really manage and get the best benefit, but with hyperbarics, because there is so much going on. Yeah. I like it when folks are, it's part of a comprehensive plan. As with any monotherapy, I feel like if it's anything we're doing, whether it's hyperbaric or it's ozone or it's just IVs or it's just anything. If we get out past a certain number of treatments and we're not seeing continued growth and benefit, like we need to pause and, but I'm never doing monotherapy. So I, I can't really speak to that. So me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, you know, the example I gave of the, you know, twice a day type of thing, and they were leaning in on that. And that was a protocol that was um, passed down from, you know, some sort of training or, you know, uh, 
research or something along those lines. But that in the, having that questionnaire to, to say, well, you know, last week you couldn't walk down the street without your walker. Now, you know, you're just using a cane or uh, that sort of thing. But there's, you know, we have a center next to us that has a lot of, um, they do a lot of anxiety, stress, trauma, treatment, that sort of thing. And so they share the hyperbarics with us, refer a lot of people to us. And we try to try to say, there's so much more than, you know, but they, they do it, you know, that's, they're using that as that, you know, they're, stop gap, right? They're, they're like, they go once a week or they go three times a week. And like we started this conversation, they're going to find themselves dependent on doing that instead of, you know, coming in and, and saying, Hey, maybe my gut needs to be addressed or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, I agree. I think to summarize that uh, for somebody who is using hyperbaric therapy, especially for a chronic condition, I'm not talking about wellness here or maybe some minor um, recovery from heavy training type of thing, right? I'm talking about chronic conditions such as cancer, autoimmune disease, or some other illnesses um, that people uh, look for hyperbarics to help them with those illnesses. It is a lot better in terms of the results that you're going to get and not to do any harm also to work with a practitioner who understands hyperbarics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just a hyperbaric doctor who only does yeah. hyperbarics, although yeah. there is an exception to that, maybe with traumatic brain injury, but let's not yeah. go like into yeah. many details. Work with a hyperbaric practitioner. We, we're here, Dr. Young, Dr. Matheson, myself, Dr. Nisha, yeah. she doesn't see patients, but she has a lot of protocols and you guys work with her protocols, uh, work with a hyperbaric practitioner to guide you. And then maybe later you you would, because we learn, like you've explained, people learn the triggers. They learn, okay, I'm going to get a flare. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do, but at least at the beginning. Um, people, I'm going to leave your details in the podcast description so people can find you because after our last podcast, I received an overwhelming response of people looking for you, Lauren. They wanted to get in touch with you. They wanted to book an appointment because they want a practitioner who is holistic practitioner, uh, who does holistic oncology and who understands how to dare. And I want to thank you for uh, joining me today on this podcast and sharing this information, knowledge. Uh, if somebody finds this helpful, please give us likes because it will help other people to see this information. And also, if you know someone who can benefit from this information, please send them this episode. Subscribe to our channels on Spotify, YouTube, we're everywhere. We're everywhere preaching hyperbarics. <laughs>